Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. It's being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. We've got a lot that we're going to be looking at today, including this WASDE report of earlier this week. We know the cash cattle went down a little bit, but are we looking at some macros and showing some maybe slaughter giant numbers? Are we being able to keep up with what the demand is, knowing consumers are looking at their pocketbooks when they head to the grocery store. We're also going to talk about what's going on politically in the world. And of course, also taking a look at maybe some demand out there from a grain perspective globally. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines, and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Now joining me on the screen today, you will see two gentlemen, Brad Coima with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa, and Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. And real quick, gentlemen, I gotta give a big shout out to the United Soybean Board. Thank you to them for the awesome soybean picture that we are using for our background for this week's program. So thanks, USB. So let's start out uh, looking at this trade, Sam. I want to get your thoughts. WASDE report, did you see any uh, surprises in those numbers? Well, you can't have a surprise if you don't change any of them. So, you know, with things being completely unchanged for corn and soybeans, really nothing to look at here. The USDA is going to wrap it all up uh, in their final you know, January numbers when they can get crop production updates alongside it. And in the meantime, we're going to see what South American does. Oh, we have had a problem with Sam freezing up. So, Brad, until he gets Ready back here with markets, I think oh. we go a little bit quiet, uh, low volume. Go ahead, Sam. No, sorry. That's okay. Yeah, as, as we get closer to Christmas, low volume, not a lot to talk about. So I think the headlines are going to drive things, money flow, uh, that those weather forecasts and how they, they evolve. And, of course, any, any conflict we see in Ukraine, I think that's kind of a you know sidebar conversation as well. All right, we're going to come back around to what's going on in the Ukraine. Brad, your thoughts. I mean, I know that this report isn't as big as what we're going to see next month. No, it certainly is not. Um, and uh, I was kind of relieved that, uh, you know, typically the December report doesn't have a lot of fanfare to it. And this certainly, I agree with Sam, certainly did not. Um, I think everyone's wondering about, um, you know, the old adage. Uh, you can tell I'm the old guy in the room again, but, you know, big crops get bigger. Are we going to find that out here on the January report? Uh, certainly the last couple of years, there's been some um, um, surprising uh, numbers that came out on, the, on, on those reports. So I, uh, my, my sense would be that um, whether or not the USDA will catch up to the kind of corn demand that we've seen, I'm interested to see that. Uh, and then I, I'm anxious to see once what they're going to come up with final numbers, particularly on the soybean crop. Well, we look at this, Sam, there's been a lot of discussion about what's been happening with Russia, for example, and this export tax that they're putting in. Could that be, mean some good news maybe for our wheat producers here in the States? Well, it could. I think that's the key question here is, is you know, they're really dictating what demand is going to get filled by the U.S. instead of them. Uh, and, is, you know, keep in mind, we have stuck the usage here domestically still almost 30 percent. So we're not running out anytime soon here. Uh, with corn and bean prices pretty high, you're still going to have a, a battle for acres going in next year, too. So this is really just figuring out what we're going to be seeing moving on moving you know, on the forward curve as opposed to what we're necessarily seeing on a week to week basis when prices rallied here to, you know, was it nine year highs just of late? Uh, we kind of took ourselves back out of the export market with the recent break that we've seen of about a dollar a bushel. Uh, hopefully we'll bring ourselves right back into it. Are we seeing now the fact that you're out in Illinois? What are you hearing 
uh, on numbers when it comes to the soybeans and crush. I understand that Illinois has had some decent as of late. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, domestic usage for corn and soybeans is good on the processor side of things. Margins are there, uh, and I think that market's January and beyond. So we've seen river basis uh, levels you know, pretty strong, too. We finally put a little bit of carry in the bean market out to January. Uh, we've seen barge freight uh, rise uh, pretty sharply here over the last week and a half, partly due to the fact that there's a big demand for empties to come back upstream to fill that demand mm -hmm. and also due in part to low water levels. So hopefully we can fix that, too, here with some precipitation coming through. A lot of things that we need to take a look at. Of course, big shout out again to the Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff who brings us this weekly market roundup. And Brad, we can't have a livestock trade without the grain trade, but livestock, what are your thoughts on this last week? And maybe a little bit of a back step we did with, with the cash cattle market. And a surprise. And I think if we would have done this little show here on Monday morning, I would have said I thought that cash cattle were going to be steady higher. And I think that's what most of the people thought as well as reflected in why the futures market broke when that indeed didn't transpire. The north was generally steady. This back the backyard that I'm in, northwest Iowa, traded cattle largely at 140 to 141. Last week, the south was 142. And I think the feeling was that they would do that again at least. Uh, and uh, we didn't. Uh, you know, the, the crease in the armor started a little bit uh, yesterday when they started to let Kesson cattle go at 140, and then even a few cattle at 39, and then a few cattle have traded as low as 138, mostly in Nebraska. Um, you know, you've got a very weak basis, okay? Yeah, you've got a very big incentive if you're a hedger uh, with December trading under cash like it is. Uh, to 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 uh, go ahead and take advantage of that basis. Uh, I, I think you also have. Um, well, you just, the market, I mean, so six weeks ago, I got 121 to give you some perspective. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, you know, so if you're a cattle feeder, which I am, um, you know, you're kind of going like, well, geez, the first time it was at 139, I was delighted. Right. So why should I be so disappointed now? And, and the cattle work. OK, they make a little money, which has been an exceptional deal this year. And so there's some, you know, I think some a little more ease, you know, in, in, in the trade. So we had also a little bit of break in the boxes, which. Uh, isn't unusual this time of year as well. And, and so I think that thing both contributed to the, the pullback that we had on the cattle, um, but still holding up trend lines, still holding retracement levels, still a market that I think has got some life to it. Is demand, I mean, this burst in cattle demand from a perspective that we're at holiday time, can that help this market out? Demand is interesting. And uh, the older I get, the more it, that's I think what I enjoy about the cattle thing, maybe, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what, you know, Sam, I. Great number cruncher. You look at corn and beans; it's a storable commodity, right? You know, and and this is what it's worth. This is what it's worth to a crusher, whatever. Beef, on the other hand, um, is a perishable item, and uh, we don't throw it away. Okay, um, and so demand is a kind of a function of how much can you sell at how high a price, in my opinion. Um, last eight, nine, ten weeks of slaughter have been huge, huge. The last three weeks, in particular, record slaughter last week for our two and a half year highs last week. So we're getting cattle dead on a, at an incredible pace, uh, which is awesome because now we used to, you know, a year ago, you and I would talk about, well, you know, so-and-so is only killing at about 65% efficiency. And right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so demand obviously for this stuff is generally speaking exceptional, right? What happened here this last week or so, I think the, 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 the middleman got caught really trying to gouge what they thought they could charge this rib meat or that high price, that tenderloin, the ribeye, that stuff. That's had a severe break this week. 
too bad. You got caught. Uh, now, they'll flush it out. Like I said, it's a perishable commodity, and that's what the break was this week. So I, I really think the little setback in demand domestically uh, is temporary. But, um, you know, generally speaking, we enjoy great global demand, and I think uh, people are ready to get out of their house and go eat a steak, right? That works for me. Sam, I see you kind of uh, shaking your head in agreement there. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and, uh, you know, how he finished up there, too, is how I'll start on the export side of things. We've continued to see things run ahead of pace there, too. So not a lot to be negative about in the short term, aside from the fact that we probably got the numbers around to meet uh, that demand. Uh, if there's concern that I have, it would be probably after that February 1st time frame, once we get beyond all this. Um, you know, once again, what do those grocery bills look like? Do you start to see a leveling off in some of that demand, or do we see some of that enthusi this enthusiasm that he's referring to carry over into the spring and summer of next year? All right, we've got uh, that holiday feel already to the mode, Sam. Uh, I understand not a lot of contracts traded uh, on a Friday. Are guys already starting to check out and think about the Christmas and New Year's? Well, I would say so, especially without anything that USDA data. I think you're going to be kind of led around just on in your intraday moves. Some of the algorithms will be trading these markets. And like I said, uh, any sort of headline that gets dumped into there could uh, certainly create an impact. Uh, obviously, the biggest factor long term, big picture is still going to be the South American weather because it's going to dictate and force the hand on whatever our export shipments uh, are going to look like here moving forward. And that the shipment side of things becomes more and more important moving forward compared to the sales itself, because uh, an unshipped sale doesn't really mean anything. So political challenges, uh, Brad, is this more from a, a grain perspective than a livestock or are you going to see livestock have some struggles with it, too? Well, I guess we have to talk about, you know, you and I kid about we shouldn't trade anything that eats whatever. You know what I mean? I'm, let's talk about the pork, right? Okay. Uh, certainly, you know, there's if, if we have something that really causes a dysfunction in the market, of course, beef is always in the front row. But, you know, clearly uh, this break on the, the hogs that we had here a few days ago was tied to, uh, you know, some diplomatic posturing about boycotting the Olympics at China, right? So the fear right away is that, oh, no, you know, we're going to we're going to put at risk our trade relationship with China. Um, and, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, there's two big things when you're talking about China. I don't know if Sam agrees, but it's beans and hogs, right? Um, and uh, and to a certain degree, corn as well. But um, the, the hogs have done more than recover their losses here this week. Um, and and so to me, the market is putting that back and it's, you know, back in the rearview mirror. But yeah, um, it frustrates me to no end because particularly in the pork, if, if someone's bearish and he's ran out of good ideas of, of trying to talk his story, you can always bring up China, right? I mean, because uh, they're about as disingenuous a trade partners we've ever had. So why not? You know, I mean, you can kind of go with whatever you want to there. I. My, my tendency, though, is, is to think that uh, we are the one reliable uh, supplier of pork for there. And um, at some point, I think they're you know, likely posturing to see what uh, what this administration's will is in terms of trade will. Um, uh, and don't forget the last administration, we had some struggles with the marketplace during that period, right? Um, so I, I don't know other than I got to roll with the punches, uh, but I got to think that we're still going to be a great trade partner for them. All right, real quick, Sam, what do you think? Bean's going to continue to struggle politically? You know, I think we're going to be range bound. I, I don't think there's enough to fodder right now to take it, you know, one way or the other. When you look at the crush, uh, you know, there, we've got margins there. I think the only thing to take a look at here this week is after this EPA announcement, we've seen soil oil struggle a little bit. 
you know, on the heels of that. So as long as that stuff all looks good, I think we're going to keep that strong usage on the spot market. That's not going to change. Thanks so much to the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Soybean Farmers and their checkoff as we focus on this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. As always, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable to all investors. Have a great weekend. I'm Susan Littlefield.